Well, welcome. I'm so glad to see you today, and welcome to those of you who have joined us online. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam Chapel. And um, just in case you've forgotten, it is our AGM today after our service. So if you're a member, I really encourage you to stay. I think we're going to do some important work together. And uh, the most important announcement today, happy birthday, Mom. My mom is 29 today. It's a miracle, really, but we don't ask. Uh, Let's pray and we'll get into our, our message for today. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we could be together. Thank you for this church and this community. Thank you for the gifts of music that we get to see on display here each Sunday. Thank you for the glory that we can bring you. Pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts today, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would comfort us in our trouble, that you would walk with us through our restoration, that you would be with us as we go through life. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been working our way through our Now What series. This is our second last week. And we've been looking at different situations in life that take our breath away, but often not in a good way, leaving us confused and wondering what to do next. Last week we talked about God sent you Now what? Examining what to do when you feel like the task set before you is too big. Or on the flip side, when you feel like you are too little. How we deal with that and how we move forward in God's power. This week is sort of a sequel. It's sort of a sequel to that, you know, within the series. But God has set some task before you. Maybe it was a mundane task that God is in, like working a job or caring for children or maintaining your marriage vows. Or maybe it was a more explicitly spiritual task, like sharing the gospel, preaching a message, or doing some work within the church. Maybe it's a personal thing, like keeping out of sin, or trying to stay on your diet, or working on your relationships. And whatever that thing was, you failed. Whatever that thing was, in some way, You don't feel like you're doing it, or maybe it's very obvious that you fell short. And that's a real gut punch. You said you were never going to do that. You said you were never going on those websites or on that app again, and you did. You said you were never going to pick that back up, and you did. You said you weren't going to call him anymore, but you did. You said that you were really going to try your best this time, but you didn't. You failed. Now what? There are lots of examples in the Bible for us to draw from here. We talked about David a few weeks ago and the terrible sin that he got into with Bathsheba, the layers of that sin and the profound ripple effect that it had on the nation. But David repented, and he continued to be king. God gave him more victories and continued to use him, even as David dealt with the consequences of those actions. Or in the New Testament, we could talk about someone like John Mark. He was one of Paul the Apostle's traveling companions, poised to be part of starting churches all over the Mediterranean world, and he bailed on them partway through. He just pulled the emergency parachute. He noped out of there. 
and he went back to Jerusalem. When Paul went to leave on a later missionary journey, he refused to take Mark along. Paul refused so adamantly that he kicked out another one of his companions over it. Mark had failed. Mark had fallen short. But Mark's story wasn't over either. Mark continued to be part of the Christian community. It is believed that Mark wrote his gospel account, as in the gospel of Mark, based on the witness of Peter. And even in his relationship with Paul, Mark was eventually restored. We read about this at the end of 2 Timothy, in Paul's final letter, where he says, Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So even though Paul and Mark had had this falling out earlier, they were eventually restored. They worked it out. And even though Mark had failed, he came back. But our main example today, it has to be Peter. Because this is such an important story to me. Peter was the leader of the Twelve, often portrayed by the Gospel writers as the spokesman of the group. And when the disciples abandoned Jesus at the crucifixion, it seems fitting that Peter's abandonment is the most dramatic. But here's what's so painful about Peter's denial. Peter was warned. We talked last week about how things aren't a surprise to God, but this wasn't a surprise to Peter either. Peter knew this was coming because Jesus had warned him. We read about this in Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 to 35. Jesus told the disciples, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Not once, three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Do you know what this sounds like to me? This sounds a whole lot like I am never going to do that again which is good. We should be striving to be better, to be more like Jesus, to do less sin and more good. But it also means that when we fall short, again, in whatever area, it can be all the more discouraging. And Simon Peter did fail in this area. Let's read it. This is after Jesus has been arrested, so it's a little later than what we just read, and when Jesus is being taken to trial. In John chapter 18, starting in verse 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Funny little detail to be included. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I'm not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter also was standing with them warming himself. 
Then we skip over some details of the trial because it's not really relevant to what we're looking at today. So jumping down to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, and they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it again, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you in the garden? I feel like this guy's going to remember. Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Hey, Peter, watch out. This is coming, and I want you to be ready. No way, Lord, I'd never do that. Whoops, I did the thing. Does this sound familiar? This feels like my life. Does this feel like your life? But this wasn't the end of Peter's story either. Because God is in the redemption business. This is what he does. After Jesus rose from the dead, we get this story in John chapter 21, just a few pages later, of an encounter between Jesus and Peter, where Jesus restores and recommissions Peter into the work. John 21, starting in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. I don't know if you remember. Follow me is what Jesus said to the disciples when he called them initially. He said it to Matthew as he sat in his tax booth. He said it to Peter and James and John and Andrew as they were in their fishing boats. Jesus was giving Peter a fresh start. And good to note, Peter denied Jesus three times and Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three times. It's almost like he gave him a do-over of the situation. And so, Peter was restored. Peter, who hadn't failed in some moral goal that he had set out for himself, Peter, who hadn't failed in some mundane task, Peter, who denied Jesus and called down curses upon himself, according to Matthew's account, that Peter was restored. I think for most of us, whatever we've failed on falls somewhere short of that. For most of us, we can look at this story and think, yeah, 
There's hope for me too. Now, if you're someone who looks at your failure and sees what Peter did as significantly less evil than what you did, maybe there's going to be more process for you. I can't comment on whether it was, but this is your perception. Maybe there's going to be more to work through. But I know this. God is in the redemption business. We don't get forgiven because we deserve it. We don't get restored because of our goodness. Because wasn't that the point to begin with? We don't get forgiven initially because we deserve it. We don't get brought into relationship with God because of our goodness. We start from failure. That's where we begin. That's the ground state. This isn't unnormal. This is normal. This is where we start. This is where we always are. In Romans 3.23, we read that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Psalm 14, we read that all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is who we are. This is, this is who we always are. But that wasn't the end of the story for us either. Humanity turned from God. We failed to live up to the good expectations, both the ones that we set for ourselves and the ones that God rightly set over us. But God wasn't done. He never gave up on us. He kept intervening. He kept saving for himself a remnant and keeping the knowledge of him alive. When the time was right, he sent his son, the light of the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came, and he lived, and he showed us what life with God could be like. And then he died according to God's plan, and he rose to life, defeating death so that we could be redeemed from the consequences of our sin. In Colossians 1, we read, Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Just as Peter stayed with the disciples even after he'd screwed up so royally, we need to remain in community. Peter was there when Jesus came. He didn't give up. And Peter learned that God is even bigger than our sin. You failed. Now what? Now cling to God. Because he is our strong tower, our rock, our salvation, our ever-present hope in times of trouble. God is in the redemption business. And in Psalm 107, we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. 
To close today, I'm going to pray, but my prayer for you is straight out of the Bible. This comes from Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read it in the voice translation. So I encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'll pray this over you. Father, may they clearly know your will and achieve the height and depth of spiritual wisdom and understanding. May their lives be a credit to you, Lord. And what's more, may they continue to delight you by doing every good work and growing in the true knowledge that comes from being close to you. Strengthen them with your infinite power according to your glorious might so that they will have everything they need to hold on and endure hardship patiently and joyfully. Thank you, Father, as you have made us eligible to receive our portion of the inheritance given to all those set apart by the light. You have rescued us from dark powers and brought us safely into the kingdom of your Son, whom you love, and in whom we are redeemed and forgiven of our sins through his blood. Amen.